Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. A few months ago, I went to Albany on a uh, mission trip to share the gospel and to be part of a beautiful camp. There I met some beautiful people, some interesting people, and one of them was Nick McLaughlin. Um, as soon as we saw each other, we connected. He knew some people that I knew. I knew some people that he knew. We kept in touch. Eventually, we became friends, and now he's part of our church. There's a beautiful story, Nick, that tonight will be revealed here at Kingdom Stories from Down Under, and I can't wait to share it with you. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed. So we met in Albany, even though I'm sure our paths would have crossed somewhere along this beautiful journey for life, but we probably didn't know each other. Yeah, maybe so. It's been 40 years since I've been in the kingdom, so... Today? Absolutely. 4th of April, 1982 to today. So right now when we're filming this, you are celebrating 40 years of being saved. Absolutely. Wow. Mm. That is an amazing legacy and uh, amazing life. Absolutely. Are you 40? No, I was born again. <laughs> so I gave my life to Christ when I was 21 and a half. And uh, he got the best years of my life, I believe. Praise God. It was the least I could do. Where were you born? In England? Yeah, south of England. South of England? I arrived here when I was five and a half. Um, we, I was born in the county of Essex. Okay. And uh, my father was a servant to the crown. Sorry, his father, my grandfather, for 35 years. So my dad grew up in the royal estate. Nice. Um, my mother came from a place called Slough. Mm-hmm. And somehow they met, and uh, the rest is history. Mm. How many of you? Me and my brother. He's 18 months younger than me. Okay. Do you remember anything from England? Absolutely. Yeah? I've got an incredible uh, memory. I'm not bragging, it's just the way it is. Of early childhood Yeah, well? absolutely. Age three, four, earliest? Yeah, around there. Wow. If not younger. What do you remember? Well, one of my most important memories, I remember this had been in my heart for about six weeks to ask my mum and dad this all pertinent question. And it was, uh, what are we all doing here? What are we doing here? Why are we here? Exactly. Were they able to answer that question? Well, I believe that God put that on me to ask because of the answer that came out of my mother's mouth. And I've got to say, she actually didn't know God at the yeah. time. I wouldn't for a long time. Mm. So God was really helping me at least. And uh, the third time I asked her, what are we doing here? Yeah. She said, my dad, I think he wants to know the answer to life. So she got down on one knee and she said, Nick, God created everything, the heavens and the earth, water, the sun, the moon, us. I said, did he, did he make the houses? She says, no, he didn't make the houses. Man made the houses. She said, uh, the Bible is true. Wow. 
and Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And I've seen a picture of this in a children's Bible somewhere. So the Holy Spirit was really working on me from a very early age, and it just blew my mind. I remember just imagining this hot ball of uh, fire that's in this sky called yeah, the sun, and it's, sun. it's still there, and it's still burning. Yeah. And so just little things like that totally blew my mind. I remember we came out in uh, March 1966, and one night I was awoken. I found myself on one elbow like this and looking out the portal of yes. this uh, ship. It was called the Castel Felici. It was an Italian boat, and I was one of many 10-pound ponds. <laughs> and I could see the Milky Way. There were so many stars in the sky. Yes. It was breathtaking and an impeccable Holy Ghost timing. Yeah. I saw my first shooting star. God had literally woken me up to see this. Mm. And I just started processing everything I knew about nature, the universe, etc. I remember God made everything. Yeah. And this was easy for me to believe. I started contemplating the journey about, uh, you know, uh, mum and dad are looking after me and uh, God's looking after them. Beautiful. Yeah. So you arrived in Fremantle. I did. Bought Fremantle. April the 11th, it was a Friday. Yeah. 1966. Wow. Uh, within about 10, 15 Just minutes. Just before England won the I believe so, yes. But uh, my dad's cousin got here before him, and he yep. was significantly older than dad. And as they were driving away from Fremantle, they started notice, noticing all these corrugated tin roofs in yes. colours red, green, and I think blue was the other one. And they'd heard that housing was cheap over here, which was one of the, the draw cards for them yes. being here. Yep. And they said, they're not all tin roofs, are they? And my uncle... I uh, said, no, no, we've got tiles oh, as well. Yeah. So as we came further inland, you know, they just sort of their heart stopped beating so fast because they thought they had a tin roof house. And, yeah. So we yeah. grew up in the Belmont area, mm -hmm. and uh, I love Belmont. It's real Perth. It's uh, kind of lower middle class, mm -hmm. a little bit like Morley on the other side of the river. What sort what of? did Dad do when he moved here? Dad had worked as a loader at Heathrow Airport for many, many years, and he was resisting the temptation initially to work at Perth Airport, even though he was way past qualified. So he worked for, I remember a couple of firms, Magic Pantry and Glacier, or Glacier Foods, yep. and whatever that represents, refrigerated foods. But uh, I think after a year of being here, he said to my mother, how are we doing? She said, we're about $3 behind, yeah. uh, I think a month or a fortnight. can't quite remember. In the budget. So he said, well, yeah, so we better get some more money. So he went up to Mount Tom Price mm -hmm. and worked on the railroad. Uh, I think he was a radio operator. Yeah. He lied. He said that he had experience and uh, he didn't, but he, you know, learned it. he learned it real fast, yeah. So he was up there, I think, for maybe a year, 18 months and came back down and there was a flying fly out back then. You no, go there right. for you committed absolutely, patch. absolutely. So he was delighted when he came back down to find that mother had saved every cent. Wow! It was a good house almost. Mm -hmm. 
there were some woeful uh, stories about girlfriends and wives who spent the money on MG sports cars or fur coats. Yeah. You know, so go back again, honey, and give us some more money. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, that was good. And you settled in okay? You loved Australia? Yeah, we really do. They had plenty to offer us, that's for sure. Our first uh, next-door neighbours were actually um, former runner-up Miss World, Karen Peeney, okay. and her family were right next door. And they were so accommodating to us, so welcoming. Um, and my first... Uh, they invited us to the beach. Nice. And we, we went to every beach. Yeah. Uh, we could always be in and, and, and their speedboat. It was just heaven. It was nice. wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, were your parents uh, religious or Christians or were they following? Were they going to church? Were they doing anything? No, we were non-practicing CVs. Mm-hmm. So we didn't even make Christmas and Easter. Okay. Yeah. But we believed in God. Mm-hmm. As long as he stayed where he was, I think was the gist of it. And it confused me a lot. Because I remember my first year of primary school, um, they started dividing up the kids into religious categories. Okay. And they wanted to know who the Jews were, who the Arabs were, who the Catholics were. And I said, what's this about? I had no reference. Yeah. And the guy said, well, what's this thing, religion? I haven't even heard the word religion. He yeah. said, I think it's about God and stuff. I'm God? I am God. Fantastic! Yes. I'm going to find out what... You know, I should have found out a whole bunch earlier, but uh, it was a real letdown. I just had somebody who was in there to mark time and look at the map on the back of your exercise book, children, and colour it in. It was something like that. I was very disappointed. Anti-climax. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Sport? Yeah. Um, Soccer, footy? Cricket? Hockey, hockey, actually. It was my, hockey. was my mainstay, yeah. I said two primary school and high school. And I also got second in the state once for high jumping. Wow. That was good. And uh, I was a pretty good power walker as well. Nice. Yeah. Mm. And with your brother, getting along really well? Well, that's a different story. My brother and I, we're chalk and cheese. Um, he's red hair, blue eyes, and that's just the beginning. Um, He's a man in the field, and he's into the great outdoors, knives, guns, dogs. Yeah. And I'm just a little bit more artistic, or uh, I'm into string things, as you know, and uh, art. Yeah. In fact, I turned down a scholarship for uh, Apple Cross uh, High School. Yeah, that was an arts college. Yeah. And I decided against that. When did you start playing the guitar? When I was 11. My mother's youngest brother, mm-hmm. uh, she was 13 years older than him, and he was 13 years older than me. Yep. He was born in the same year as Brian May's lead guitarist uh, from Queen. Uh, but that's where the similarity ends. He was into country music. Yes. But uh, I really envied the way he could play guitar, and so he showed me the, my first six chords. Yes. I think the first song we did was House of the Rising Sun. Mm-hmm. Then by the time I got to high school and learned how to play a few more bar chords and mixing it with guys my own age, moving to Kiss and Status Quo and Queen and Sweet and all those glam bands. It was, it was a great time to be alive in mm-hmm. the 70s, yeah, as a team. Did you pick up any other instruments? 
No, but um, I think to this day I probably taught five, is it six, soon to be six, people how to play bass guitar. Mm. So in the process of working that out, I can play bass guitar as well as uh, guitar. And you can be the drums. Yeah, a little bit of drums. I had my first kit when I was 14, uh, but I didn't have knowledge of power and I didn't have any knowledge. So I didn't understand what the hi-hat was for. Yeah. So I was doing my uh, 16th beats on the snare. It sounded like a machine gun and I literally invented punk rock music for it. It was even invented. <laughs> yeah, it was a noise. But if somebody just put one of my hands over on this, close that thing tight, it could have been a different story. But, um, no lessons, no teaching, just no. discovery. Absolutely. Picking up tips. Some of my friends are paying good money for good lessons. Yeah. And I kind of got the, uh, the dregs. Leftovers. Uh, leftovers yeah. Did you have instruments in the house? Did your parents buy guitars? And yeah. Drums? In fact, that was, that's how come I can play guitars in the state. There was always one laying around, mm -hmm. courtesy of my uncle. Now, having said that, it was a little big for my hands. Yeah. But I just used to five minutes here, eight minutes there, 10 minutes there, 15 minutes there, that was a long one. Yeah. Put it back. And then one day I thought, wow. I actually can play. Nice. Yeah, it thrilled me. Really did. How were your teenage years apart from the music and school? Um, did you go off the rails or not really? Not really. My teenage years were fun. Okay. Playing undiluted fun. Um, it was all about music. All I really wanted to be was a rock star. Mm -hmm. So some people trained to be a plumber. Yeah. Some people trained to be an accountant. Yeah. Or a carpenter. I trained to be a rock star. And that's the truth. Mm. So didn't get there. God had other plans. That's a bit later on in the story, but uh, he intervened. So when I gave my life to Christ, I gave every worldly ambition that I had to him as well. Yeah. And he gave me good enough reason to do that. Just by putting his little finger on my case, making himself real to me it was all the incentive i've ever needed beautiful yeah I mean. so when you finished school you went to study something you went to university or college or trade school or no sir i did 10 years of schooling i think i did one term of year 11 we called it the fourth year back then yeah and i saw my results i thought you better get a job <laughs> so uh, I was a male a boy, glorified male boy, and I think they called a male clerk with Miller's Timber and Hardware. He used to be Bunning's chief rival mm -hmm. for 18 months. And uh, I spent a little bit of time in a, on a cadet ship, which was softwoods and uh, hardware, goods and woods. Uh, I was a tally man, softwoods. And I, I knew that I, I wasn't cut up for labouring. I made the best of it, but I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And that's for an office job, well. So after 18 months, I left there. I was unemployed for about six months, and I saw an ad in the paper one day, and it said, um, dance teachers wanted, mm -hmm. no experience necessary. Well, I had had experience. My mum put me and my brother in for ballroom dancing Whoa. when I was about 12, and he was uh, 18 months younger than me. Yeah. And we got flat addicted in almost no time at all. And seven, eight years later, we were still there. Wow. So we got our gold medals. We, we did comp dancing. Mm -hmm. And so we had two beautiful partners. And uh, 
we won, you know, everything that could be won. Wow. I think at about age 17 to 18, I kind of, I was done with it. Um, peer pressure a little bit, but uh, I was getting interested in martial arts at that point. Taekwondo and a, a couple of different, different colors. Dancing. Yeah, absolutely. And dancing. Yeah, absolutely. So how, who introduced you to the Lord? How did you? Well, I've got to be honest and say, there were so many people who gave me a short witness. Yeah. Uh, lots of seed planting, lots of watering going on. If I was hitchhiking as a teenager, I'd get a witness in this year. If I picked one up, I'd get a witness in this year. I had my girlfriend's best friend turn, my very best friend, heavy metal fiend from school, Gary Rivers. Uh, he had turned, and um, I was just getting this on a regular basis. Um, one of them was, I'd be selling a guy with a pair of jeans, yeah. and he starts telling me about miracles. <laughs> and I remember this this guy once, I think he was Anglican, charismatic Anglican or something, and he started telling me about miracles, and he used the scripture, and it was the one where Jesus said, if you had faith the size, uh, if you had faith, Size of the mustard seed, you could say to the sycamore tree, be thou plucked up and cast in the ocean, and it would obey you. Yep. And when he said this to me, I started shaking inside in the very deepest part of my core. Mm. Well, what's that? It was just power in the Word of God. And yep. I was hearing it for one of the first times ever. Mm. But the very, very, very last straw was, um, I guess, in 1982. I knew a guy from the world. It was all pubs, clubs, and discos back then. And uh, he had disappeared off the scene for about one whole year. I'm in my lunch break, strutting up the Murray Street Chase yep. uh, on route to the Magic Circle Bookshop, which was an occult bookshop. Mm -hmm. I had looked at astrology, numerology, pyramidology, astral body projection. What else you got? Yeah. Anything that smells of the supernatural, I wanted to look at. Okay. And all of a sudden, I did a right turn, and I'm walking down the city, okay, and I thought, that's weird. Uh, it's happened three times in my life where I did not turn myself. Yes. But here I am walking in this new direction. I saw him about 60 meters away. His face was glowing, and I knew he had something to tell me. Mm. So I greeted him by his, uh, his disco name, which was John. But his real name was Howard, Howard Avista. He didn't like his name, I think. Uh, he was Mauritian. Yeah. Mauritian. So we shook hands, you know, one of those. I forget. Many, who. many. Yeah. And he says, how you doing, man? He said, I'm looking for God, serving Jesus. And I was like, what? Because my, my best friend from school had just been witnessing me the week before. And I'm thinking, yeah. what's going on here? Am I the only guy hearing this? So he... He spoke to me on a, a level and a wavelength that um, not many people were able to do. Yeah. So I know you, man. So I know you like getting high. I'm like, yes. He says you like to get high on the ultimate eternal trip. <laughs> what an invitation. I said, what's the ultimate eternal trip? Well, I walked into that, didn't I? He said, the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Out. He also said, you need to feel the fire of God and the oh. presence of God. I said, yeah, really? You're not lying? Is this real? And I could tell that he wasn't lying. Yeah. 
So he didn't have a, an address on him at the time, or I'm sure I would have found my own way there earlier. And he said, look, I'm fresh out. And another friend of his rocked up. And I mean, clearly, we'd be best mates later on. And he said, no, I've run out as well. So about two months later, I'm, I'm working at Shearer's Menswear, selling shoes on the mezzanine for Min Howard Hawks. And uh, he said, how you been, mate? I said, oh. Said, I read out one of those things that your people hand out on the streets. I said, nothing happened, even though I'd stopped smoking. Yeah. And if anybody used Christ's name as a swear word, well, the hairs of my neck would just stand up. Wow. What's up with this? And uh, essentially, I lied to the guy and told him that I'd be there. I had no intent, real intention of going. And uh, he didn't say, oh, you said you'd come here, Turkey. Why didn't you come? He just, how you been? I said, ah, you know. He said, well, look, we've got a film on this Sunday night. Why don't you come along? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, okay. Come along. And that was the 4th of April, 1982. That was an Easter Sunday night. Yep. Resurrection Sunday. And what was the film? The Jesus film? It was the Hudson Taylor story. Oh. Um, for those people who don't know who Hudson Taylor is, he was an American missionary, went into Harbour, mainland China started converting the Chinese by the tens of thousands, apparently. Yeah. I think the mainland mission is still standing to this day. Yeah. Anyway, he's one of uh, this many people that I know who have heard God in an audible voice. Yeah. And on an entertainment basis, um, it was about negative three, but it was the principle of the thing. If this event was true, how am I in relation to that? Yeah. So this guy stood up at the end of the night with every head bowed and every eye closed and he said, um, maybe you've come here on the invitation of a friend or you've just walked in off the street. He said, it doesn't matter right now. He says, um, what matters is that... Oh, let me just get the uh, words. He said, um, you may have checked out religion Yep. He said, but you've never checked out real Christianity. He said, if that's your heart's desire, you would signal with an uplifted hand. He said, I'll see that hand and pray for you. Well, <laughs> he said, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, and none of those hands were mine. I was <laughs> having a real struggle, but I eventually had to put my hand up because I felt him tugging on my heartstrings. It was so, I had to put my hand up, so yep. real. So then I went down the front. There was a gentleman by the name of Mike White. He was a red-headed uh, Scotsman. <laughs> and um, he said, out of all the hundreds of thousands of people by now that he's prayed for, he said, I was the only person he ever prayed for who he felt led to speak in tongues after we prayed in English. Yeah. Yeah. And the oppression... Um, the occultism that was on me was palpable. My back opened up. Thousands of sins came out of my back and I was very much aware that I was kneeling at the foot of a life-size cross and my sins went unto the man who was hanging on on that cross. That was as real as real can be. And then the band played Amazing Grace, and I just felt this huge weight come off my shoulders, like about a 20-pound sack of spuds. Beautiful. And it, I was still a mess in my mind, yeah. but I knew for the first time in my life that I was right with God, right here, right where it Peace. counts. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. 
what followed which what followed after that um, we went back yeah absolutely I did and God had arranged it so that I was without a license at the time so I had about four guys following up on me with yes. their hearts and I turned around to them after six weeks and said thank you I get it <laughs> it took six weeks to get the uh, how should I say intellectual knowledge yeah uh, to match Makes up sense. with the work of grace that had already happened six weeks yeah. earlier. Yeah. And uh, I can remember about four weeks after getting saved, I got filled, baptized, zaptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Just nice. couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Ecstasy. Um, the fire of God. Wow. So his invitation was real. Absolutely. It happened. Absolutely. Everything he said. So I thought, wow, you prove yourself to me here, 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 and here. I'm going to honor you here, 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 and there. Anything else you want? <laughs> it was like that. So what did you do after that? You joined the church? Yeah, well, I got saved into, um, without being political, the Potter's House. Mm -hmm. And there was 150 people at the time. This was at the Mount Lawley Division. Uh, Walcott Street, Mount Lord. It was the old church restaurant, or yep. it used to be the old Presbyterian church. Mm, nice. And so I'm not sure how long they were there, but I was there for the last six months. They announced they had a building, the old YMCA building in Scarborough. Mm -hmm. And we all chuffed off to Scarborough for 10 years solid. Nice. And then another three and a half years out of Beach Bar. And it was 14 years to the day that uh, I spent there. Wow. A lot of good things came out of it. I mean, yeah, it's a life to begin yeah. with. A few things not quite so uh, pleasant. Well, we, we weren't ready, were we, for everything? No, no. Uh, marriage? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I have been married once. It's a long story. Um, it was 2006. I, so you didn't get married in, in uh, your no, early no, 20s? I did not. I've been accused of, uh, some people accuse me of being fussy. Okay. But you know, hey, it's the second most important decision you'll make in your life. So uh, I didn't make a wrong decision. So you didn't get married in, uh, even, did you have a girlfriend in church? Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had uh, six uh, great relationships. and. Uh, mm -hmm. Then we kissed one of them. Good man. Yeah, absolutely. We, we did it straight. We, yeah. we were disciples. Yeah. Yeah. And what were you working? What, what job were you doing? Well, um, well, most of my career has been in uh, sales. Mm -hmm. So menswear. You did that from, yeah. Every menswear shipping goods, I think. Yeah. So without advertising, just all of them, all of them. Nice. Mm. And uh, so let's talk about marriage. Eventually you did find somebody in 2006. Yeah, I thought it was God. Uh, it probably could have been. By uh, now you were in your 40s? Yeah, I was 44, I guess. In two, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about 2006. I was 46, wow. So... Um, with that, I wasn't patient. Uh, we dated for 
We were engaged, I think, for nine months. She was a new convert. Mm-hmm. I knew her from a very, very long time ago. Yeah. And I, I knew it was going to be a bit rough, but it was way past rough, unfortunately. And uh, really should have let her develop in God before uh, marrying her. Yeah. So that was a mistake, and uh, I had to pay for it. And she's married somebody else now. So, so you got married? Yeah. No children? I have a children. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Ironically, it's not the woman I married. Okay. Yeah, so uh, my daughter will be uh, 19 this September. Mm-hmm. And uh, she and her mother go to uh, a Church of Christ, which uh, I'm happy about. So that was before 2006? It was. It was. And you had a relationship with the uh, mum? And they didn't execute you at the Potter's house? Well, I was at, out, out of the Potter's house. Oh, you were out by then? I left in 96. Okay, okay. So uh, it was 10 years there. And were you going to marry this lady or was it just a relationship or? Well, it's funny. We uh, thought we'd do the right thing and uh, we were friends, to mm-hmm. say the least. Um, we announced we were getting married. Yep told everyone, but we had some really good friends say, you know what, two wrongs don't make a right, and you have to make sure you're doing this for all the right reasons and none of the wrong ones. And apparently a child isn't enough reason to get married. News to me. So uh, the litmus test was, I actually prayed about it, obviously, and I had a dream where I was standing at the altar with this woman and it came time to say, I do. Mm-hmm. And every cell in my body was screaming out, I don't. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I didn't have the stuff to, uh, to make that last. So I said that to say this, I've had to be a part-time father for the last 19 years of my daughter's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a price to pay in that. I-, I can't bring up my child because she's not under the same roof as me. Yeah. It never has been. She's been under her mother's roof. Mm. So there's untold ramifications with that. So I, I don't recommend uh, mm. that, that situation. Yeah, surely. I mean, the pain, you, you can't recommend pain, can you? No. Um, and then you, you met this other lady whom you married. Did you meet her in church as well? or No. I first met her when I was 16. She was 14. Um, we hooked up when I was 18, she was 16. Three years later, I got born again. I went through my telephone book, uh, Teledates, yeah. um, telling everybody what had happened to me. And in actual fact, she was one of the only uh, people who uh, saw straight to the heart of the matter that what I had was real. Yeah. Um, but she was getting married to somebody else. Oh, so the timing was all wrong. Yeah, a few other supernatural clues, but uh, I can honestly say that um, I was really impatient with her. And as a new believer... So she had divorced that person and then married you? Oh, that was... Yeah, she divorced him a lot earlier. Yeah. But I prayed to God about it and said, hey, bring him into my life, and he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a little bit complicated. Very. And uh, how long did the marriage last? It was a very short marriage. 
years, months, no, three months, three months, right? And that, that's all. Yeah, yes. So it really hit the fan in a, in a hurry. I was in a world of pain. I, you know, I, would, I could have probably withstood three or four crucifixions a week, but not 20. Wow. Yeah, it was intense. So I said, God, I, I know that you love me. I believe you still have a plan for my life. Yeah. If you can get me out of this, I'm into it. Mm. And something happened whereupon uh, reconciliation was almost impossible. So that's the road with those points. So what broke the camel's back? Um, well, there was no camel from the beginning. We were in the <laughs> This is going to be edited. This is not edited. This is real. This is. Lord. That's a bit hairy. You can't ask those questions. I don't know. I mean, uh, usually there is a, a, as you said, the litmus test was there before. Uh, usually there is an underlying sure. uh, All right. I'm issue. Gonna, I'm going to put it like problem. this. Um, there was breath there. There was life there in every new baby, yeah. every new believer. Unfortunately, her understanding of covenant, love, authority, submission, man, woman, Christ, you know, the, the, the mind hadn't caught up with what had happened in her heart. And that's true. And unfortunately, knowing what I know now, probably uh, it would take another eight or nine years for that to be functional. Um, you know, there needed to be some deliverance take place as well. So, um, yeah, I thought I could, um, I didn't have as much Christ in me as I thought I did. Mm. That's the truth. So you let her go? Had to. And she was okay to go? Uh, we actually were separated in the full sense of the word. When we separated, we, apart from 15 minutes, we never saw each other again. Okay. John Howard made it extra hard back then. You didn't have to wait one year for divorce, rather two years. And that was all weighed in. And as soon as I could divorce, I did divorce. Yep. Two years later. Mm -hmm. Did you suffer any anxiety or depression? Or did you go into a downward spiral? Or were you, were you remain strong? In your faith, even during this difficult time? Yeah, I was. With, without Christ, I just couldn't, couldn't have made it. Couldn't have handled it at all. Yeah. It was painful. It's a tsunami of pain. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's not in the brochure, is it? No. You can't even think about it. How difficult it may be. No. How did you feel the Lord carrying you through this? What assurance did you get? I knew that he had a plan and a purpose for my life. And I knew that I wasn't going to be disqualified. Mm. So in fact, one of the best analogies I've heard is uh, the Tour de France, the cycling. Yes. And they, they, they do so many miles. Yep. Even now and again, somebody comes off. Yep. And when that happens, 
there's not one race official comes running over to that person and says, ah, your feet touch the floor, get back to the start. No, what happens every time is they don't even have to tell them. They just hop back on their bike and they continue to ride. Yep. So that's where my head was at. I knew that. So I've been riding ever since. Yep. Mm. How is, where is your relationship with God at the moment? In a very good place. Yeah? Yeah. I feel that after 40 years, I'm looking at Canaan's uh, land, yeah. if not on Canaan's shore. Yeah. I'm not quite sure where I'm at at that point, but I know it's either close or I'm on the edge of Canaan's land and the promises are about to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know this. You've crossed Jordan. I think I might have, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hope you do. You don't want to be in the wilderness. Got my stones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, What's next for you? You're, you're in our church at the moment. You're ministering. You're enjoying a beautiful season. Are you growing? Sure, absolutely. I used to be very, what's the word, frustrated and always worried about my destiny because I know that I'm called to be a minister of the gospel. God showed me that in a vision and has spoken it to me. Um, and so I kind of, that can be a bit of a theological nightmare for some people because you think you have to have all this learning to communicate uh, in ministry. Mm. And so at the moment, what I'm doing is I'm just really enjoying the ride. I'm getting back to basics with my guitar. Yep. And I've even bought a piano that's been on my bucket list for a long time. It's going to come to pass. And you just bought a new house as well and you're moving in it. So absolutely. That's going to be my man cave that I can praise and worship God in and nice. inflict it on the neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll join you. I hope so. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's about praise and worship right now. Yes, I can do. A relationship? Still on the lookout? Well, do you know what? I think I found somebody. You did? Mm -hmm. Already? I think I have. Better not say it on camera because this will stay here for a while. <laughs> and who knows? This is the thing that um, I can't say. That's good. Don't say you it. You say that other stuff, I can't say this. Okay. Um, yeah, a bit of a slow burn. I've known her for a few months. And it's uh, a bit of a slow burn, but she's got under my skin. I really like her. Good. Yeah. I just pray that God will help you and find the right um, person to, to carry on, you know, to keep writing. <laughs> Wife and ministry partner. Yeah. Amen. What do you see yourself doing in 10 years from now? Wow. I'll be surprised if any of us are here in 2030, quite frankly. It's only eight years away. And if we are? If we are. I see, there's been so many prophecies on the city of Perth, especially, and, and the great south end of the Holy Spirit. So I'm expecting national revival. Yep. The majority serving the minority. So it's not a case anymore of 
you're a Christian, it's a case of you're not a Christian. No, I see that. That would be nice. Absolutely. There's a tsunami of the presence of God coming. My goodness, if I count up the prophecies of people I don't know, let alone the people I do know, yeah. Yeah, this thing has to come to pass. Smith Wigglesworth, Cindy Jacobs, on and on and on. Um, we'll see it in our lifetime. Amen. Amen. It's our turn to bat. <laughs> wonderful, Amen. wonderful. Amen. What would you like people to know you for at the end of it all? Well, it's fine. it sounds kind of glib and cliche, but um, I've only wanted uh, two things. We've talked about one already since I was a small kid, and the other was uh, to know the Lord. Um, I want to do the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't know the Lord without without that. It's inseparable. Yeah. Are you going to be an obedient son? Or are you going to be a hired servant? Mm. You know, I used to be a hired servant for a time there, but yeah. now I want to be an obedient son. So that governs all my decisions. That's beautiful. And I think that's a beautiful legacy to pass on to others as well. You know, if you can summarize just in that, I think it's beautiful. Oh, man. My, my daughter can get a hand on that as well. Sure. With your hands, sure. That's good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story, right? My pleasure. Well, what a beautiful story, eh? You never know where we go with these stories, you know, but there's always something deep that comes out, something that is glorifying God in all of this. An obedient son, that's the legacy. That's, that's what Nick wants to be known as. And I pray that you who are watching this or listening to this on the podcast, Embrace this call as well to be an obedient son or an obedient daughter and uh, go for it and uh, lead in that close relationship with the Heavenly Father because He longs for that. And as children of God, the greatest honor we can give Him is obedience. I pray that you embrace this and take it on in your life. If you love this content, please share it with other people and help us spread the good news of what God is doing in the lives here at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.